Well, again, happy Easter. Um, just like uh, in the church for other holidays, we have a longer celebration. So we have the 12 days of Christmas. Um, Lent is 40 days in the preparation for Easter. So Easter isn't just one day. Easter is a season, uh, the 50 days of Easter. And also we're Easter people, so we celebrate Easter all of the time. Um, the Sunday after Easter is um, sometimes known in some churches as Bright Sunday or as Holy Humor Sunday. Um, the idea being that God played the ultimate practical joke. Jesus wasn't dead, but is alive. And so um, I thought maybe we could share some of that tradition a little bit here today. Uh, maybe in your homes or whomever you're with, uh, if you have a joke to share, um, you know, that's church appropriate. Um, you can share that with whoever you're gathered with, or you can post some in the comments below um, to share some of this humor um, and some laughter together uh, in this Holy Humor Sunday. Uh, here's a joke for you. How do you turn a soup into gold? You add 24 carats. It's not as funny when there's not enough people laughing here with me, but I'm sure you all thought that was hilarious at home. It probably killed in your living rooms, right? Just tell me it did, okay? Um, so whatever jokes that you're sharing with one another um, to, uh, to laugh together uh, and share in some holy humor. Um, again, this is a tradition that that comes from many churches um, and has many different traditions in different places. Um, uh, so this morning, um, I wanted to think about our theme for worship being, um, oh my gosh, so on Facebook, there's a lot of little laughing emojis popping up. I really appreciate that because that was, that was a terribly funny joke, wasn't it? All right. Um, <clears throat> uh, so... Um, so this morning's theme is, uh, is looking at Easter on the other side. What's the other side of Easter look like? Um, and, and what does it look like in the messy side of life? Um, what happens after the event? What happens the next day? What happens in the next couple of hours? What happens for the rest of your life? What happens after everything has changed? Does everything go back to normal? Is there a new normal? And the truth is, in planning worship, things looked very different a month ago than it does today, because life looks very different today. A lot has happened, and the messiness of life invades from all around. So we look for signs of hope and the signs of Easter in the midst of life. So would you pray with me? God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, so this passage from Luke uh, tells us a little bit about what some of the disciples did after Jesus' resurrection. I think a lot of times we picture what Jesus and the, what the disciples did after Jesus' resurrection was 
Uh, they went out preaching right away or they went out sharing this good news uh, immediately and sharing about what Jesus had done and who he was in his death and resurrection. And it was just this great movement of the church. And while they did that, it wasn't, it wasn't right away. It wasn't immediately. They weren't really sharing the good news with everyone quite yet because it was all very confusing and they were still trying to make sense of what had happened. I mean, what do you do the day after the world has changed? So for many of the disciples, they were doing what they knew because what's not known is scary. So some of them went back to fishing some of them were still in rooms together grieving and trying to make sense even of what the women had come back to tell them. And some started walking home. Now, if you've spent time in the church, um, you will probably know this story pretty well. It's commonly told after Easter as a post-resurrection story where two disciples uh, walking home after Jesus' death and after his crucifixion and death and they start walking home um, and a companion joins them on their way, which um, I don't know, if you were watching this as a movie, you would probably be like, oh, that's him. Everybody knows that. Um, but the people who are walking there, they don't quite know who it is um, until the end of the story. And then they realize that the stories that they've already heard from some of the women who went to the tomb, um, the stories that they heard about Jesus being alive were indeed true. So um, who is walking? We know that it's Cleopas and we know that it's an unnamed person. So these two disciples, Cleopas and an unnamed person are on their way home and talking about what had happened. So Cleopas is Joseph's brother, which makes him Mary's brother-in-law. So Joseph is Jesus's father and Mary is Jesus's mother. So this is who Cleopas is. So Cleopas would be then Jesus's uncle. And the wife of Cleopas was with Mary at the cross, according to John's gospel. So she saw Jesus being laid in the tomb. Now, if you think about that for a minute, she, uh, she and Mary both saw Jesus die and be buried. So she watched her nephew die and was buried in the tomb. And can you imagine that kind of heartbreak to sit with your sister as she watches her son die and not just die, but be murdered as an enemy of the state? What do you do after that happens? Well, they just started to walk home. Now, in the Bible, oftentimes when a person doesn't have a name, um, there's a lot of times that people are unnamed, but oftentimes when a person is unnamed in the Bible, the majority of the time that means it was a woman. And who else would Cleopas be walking back home with but his wife? So these two disciples, Cleopas and his wife, were walking and talking home. Jesus' aunt and uncle were on their way home as they encounter someone else on the road. This is the same day as Jesus' resurrection as they tell that the women have already seen Jesus, 
but they're having a hard time believing that because just like many people, they can't imagine death as being anything but permanent. And even though they've listened to Jesus' teachings and preachings, it's still difficult for them to comprehend that Jesus is indeed alive. So on this walk to Emmaus, these two people were lost in their grief, lost in their own emotions, and not on what Jesus had promised over and over. What happens after everything has changed? And as they were walking and talking on the road with Jesus, they didn't realize that it was Jesus who was walking with them, which is sort of a surprise. What if you're caught by surprise when the whole world changes? Now for the disciples and for Cleopas and uh, the other person, his wife, and for, for most of the people there, resurrection really wasn't a new idea. Everyone believed in resurrection. The Jewish people believed in resurrection. But what they didn't expect is that one person would be resurrected in the middle of history. And so Jesus changed history. Jesus changed the story forever. Now that kind of story doesn't just fit to one day. Resurrection is, it changes everything. Now physically, raised from the dead, we know that Jesus' body changed somehow. Mary didn't recognize him at the tomb. She didn't recognize him until he spoke her name. The Jesus aunt and uncle don't recognize him on the road there until he breaks the bread. So there's something about his body that has changed. But Jesus also eats, drinks, and breaks bread. In fact, in many of the stories, especially in the Gospel of Luke, the post-resurrection stories all have food involved. He breaks bread. He makes breakfast. Um, it's sort of like, I guess, resurrection makes you hungry. I don't know. I've, I've not been through it yet. Um, but then Jesus also appears in the middle of locked rooms or just disappears. So there's something different about who Jesus is and what Jesus looks like. So if this is what resurrection is, that there's something different, and that people don't don't recognize. I have to I have to admit something. Um, I say this quite often that I uh, I often give the disciples a really hard time. I sometimes just read these stories and think they should get it right. They sh they've been there the whole time. Shouldn't they know? They should have recognized who Jesus was. But then I wonder about myself, and I start to think, if I were there. Would I recognize Jesus? And then that makes me wonder all the more, do I recognize Jesus? Do I see Jesus in my midst today? Do I recognize the presence of God when it's there? We all know the messiness of life. When things seem to fall apart all around us, we lose our jobs, we lose relationships, we experience death, we experience destruction, we experience the loss of community. Last week we celebrated Easter, and this week it seems like almost daily we're reminded again of Good Friday. About five years ago, 
The community I lived and served in was hit by a tornado. The community of Fairdale um, had, been, uh, had been hit by this tornado about five years ago. And in the hours and the days afterwards, I worked with the local fire department and other emergency crews for help and support. And as I was down at the fire department um, in the next morning, uh, I talked with a lot of people who had lost everything. Um, I talked with people who had lost their homes, uh, people who had lost their neighbors, uh, for, for family members of people who had died, and heard these stories over and over again. And then I talked to this one woman in particular, um, and she came in with her family, and she sort of sat down next to me, just sort of in a daze. I mean, what happens when everything around you has changed? And as she started, I, I asked how she was, and, and she just sort of looked and she said, I, I don't know. She said, I don't even know where to start. And so we just started talking about how she was feeling and she had random questions that would come up that she just sort of needed to get out. Like, I don't know if I have a driver's license. How do I get a new driver's license? Did I leave a window open? I don't remember. Where do I have shoes? I'm very sad. She shared her story and what she had lost and she shared her emotions and then she looked at me and she said, can you just give me some hope? Sometimes the day after everything has changed, we just need some hope. And so I prayed with her and blessed her. And then at the encouragement of others, and myself, she and her family sat down and they ate a meal together. And after she finished and they cleaned things up and were getting ready to go and, and start what they needed to do, she took my hands and she said, I didn't know how much better I'd feel after I haven't eaten. What do you do? after everything has changed. Oh, the disciples, Cleopas and his wife, they go home. And Jesus says that he's gonna keep going on, but they invite him in for dinner. It's been a long way. So Cleopas and Jesus and his wife, they go inside for dinner. And at the table, the guest was served first. You didn't eat until everyone was served. There's no sneaking food, it's not allowed, and it's rude. You wait until everyone is served and your guests get served first. And so then Jesus takes the bread, blesses it, breaks it, and then gives it to those who were there. This scene sounds familiar, doesn't it? It has a ring of a supper from an upper room. And when you break the bread, you take the bread and you break it and you hand it to those at the table. What do you see? You see the hands and the wrists. And what was on Jesus' hands and wrists? But the scars of nails. And they recognize Jesus as he breaks bread and shows his scars. And then he's gone, he disappears. And they say, couldn't we feel our hearts burning within us? Our hearts sometimes know the answers. Sometimes before our head, 
and even our eyes can see them. And sometimes we need proof to see what we believe. As disciples were walking on the road to Emmaus, they recognized Jesus in the breaking of the bread, in the sharing of a meal. Sometimes hope comes to us in the form of donations upon donations. Sometimes hope comes to us in the form of a Sunday school treat bag. Sometimes hope comes to us in the form of a face mask made with love. Sometimes hope comes in the form of a well-timed email or card. Sometimes hope comes to us in the form of crumbs of bread. And we didn't realize how much better we'd feel after we'd eaten. Even in the messiness of life, hope finds us. And we have a choice. Do we stay in Good Friday to stay in the wounds of what had happened? Do we go back as though nothing has ever happened? Or do we live and live differently? Jesus' resurrection changed not just the lives of the disciples and the followers, but it forever changed the fabric of creation. Jesus did something that no one expected to happen. Hope surprised everyone in the messiness of life. There's a new world bursting forth in the midst of this one, and we can occasionally see glimpses of it. Resurrection says the world is not a dark place, but that light pierces the darkness. Resurrection says again and again that love wins, even on the other side of Easter. And so we are Easter people every day, not just once a year. So the party continues on the other side of Easter. In every moment, in every breath, in every step, we live in a world where resurrection has happened. We live in a world where eternity has broken into our world. We live in a message of hope that rings love always wins. And so what do you do with a message like that? Do you walk back to where you came from? Do you run to tell the good news to everyone? Do you keep the party going? The truth is the choice is yours. You get to do with it what you like. But whatever you decide, the world has already changed. You're already living in it. So, Keep showing hope to the world. And you can show hope to the world in your small corner. Maybe for you that means continuing to sew masks, to donate to sewing masks for the state line or for uh, the hospitals or for healthcare workers, or maybe for um, some folks who are the more vulnerable in our, in our society. Maybe it means for you that you're, you're helping grocery shop for those who can't leave home, that you're picking up groceries and dropping them off. Maybe you're helping with technology. Maybe you're, you're spending the time helping someone set up an iPad or a computer or a new phone, and you're teaching them how to use it so that you can be in contact with each other and with others. Maybe you're writing cards or sending emails Maybe you're donating food to local food pantries or homeless shelters. 
Maybe you're advocating for the most vulnerable. I talked with a friend of mine who is the director of the, the Boone County CASA, the Court Appointed Special Advocates. And she said that she and other CASA departments are just waiting for the influx of child abuse cases that will be coming forward. Maybe there's ways that we can prepare ourselves to become an advocate for children or for those who are vulnerable, advocating for them, caring for them. There are so many ways that we can continue to, to share hope. And we make these, these things that we do to share hope, we don't, we share them. And we share them maybe publicly, not for our own benefit or for our own glory or for our own appreciation, but ways to show others that hope is still real and hope exists. To be the hope where others may not see it. So that we all may say, were not our hearts burning within us? May your heart be burning within you. And if it's not, if you're not feeling all that hopeful, may these be signs to you that hope exists and that hope is real. And we all be able to say, were not our hearts burning within us? Amen.